Did you know that most women aren't getting enough essential amino acids and that can cascade into long-term issues because they're vital for muscle protein synthesis, tissue repair, and nutrient absorption? Our body is continually breaking down protein and building new protein throughout the day. If your body doesn't have the resources it needs to build new protein, you lose muscle. So if you're a woman in her 30s or older like me and you're worried about age-related muscle loss, as little as three grams of essential amino acids per day is going to be the easiest way to support muscle maintenance. Keanu Aminos is my fundamental supplement for fitness. I personally have been taking Keanu Aminos capsules daily, both on workout days and off days, to support my body's amino acid requirements. I actually take them during my workouts when I'm exercising. Amino acids aren't just for people who do strength training. No matter what you do to stay fit, amino acids are essential. Kiana is backed by over 20 years of clinical research and has the highest quality ingredients, no fillers or junk, and undergoes rigorous quality testing. They make essential amino acids available in capsules or powders that you can mix with water and they taste great. If you want to naturally boost energy, build lean muscle, and enhance athletic performance, get Kion Aminos. You can save 20% on all subscriptions, which is what I have. Just go to get at keon.com forward slash wellfed. That's G-E-T-K-I-O-N.com forward slash wellfed to get my fundamental supplements for fitness, Keon Aminos. You are now listening to Well-Fed Women, the show that's been radically changing the way women perceive health, fitness, and their bodies since 2015. I'm your host, Noelle Tarr. Submit your questions to wellfedwomen at gmail.com. And you can keep up with the show on Instagram at wellfedwomen. Welcome, friends. We're so excited you're here. Episode number 468 is live. (laughs) This is that. I'm here with my co-host, Stephanie Ruper. I am your host, Noelle Tarr. And today we've got a wide range of topics. We're going to start with... How long do you have to follow a new workout routine before you see changes? What what are our thoughts around that? Daily vitamins and supplements you recommend for kids? Where to begin? Well, strength training and lifting. And if we have some time and we haven't overchatted, we will also dive into tips for starting over in a career and setting boundaries to avoid burnout. Hey, Stephanie. I love boundaries. (laughs) That's so fun. I'm so hyped. Okay, good. I thought you'd like um, that one. Okay. So one of I, your bound one of your boundaries today, by the way, is that you have no light. So your video is completely dark right now. Is it? Can you not see my face at all? Okay, I can see your nose. I can oh, see your- are you serious? That's my how much see in my video, I can see myself. So yeah. something about how it's working is not showing me to you very well. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's all good. Whatever keeps you healthy. Did that help? Whatever keeps you healthy. Um, before you dive in, dive into your discussion, I want to bring forward a different discussion that I just got. So you know how Facebook does those memories? Yeah. Okay. So when we had first started, well, this is when I was actually on, when, when millennials were still on Facebook. When, when we were on Facebook, let's say 10 years ago, and we were still posting stuff, I got a memory sent to me that was 10 years old. And it said, shared with your friends and Stephanie's friends. It says, hooray, Stephanie Ruper and I were referred to as airheads because we drag on and on about nothing in one of our most recent reviews of the Paleo Women podcast. I think this means we finally made it. (laughs) Well, that can't have been 10 years old because we're still only eight years old. No, almost nine. Nine. Okay, so it was nine years. So we had just started. Started. We had just started. Wow. 
Wow. Well, you know, I hadn't yet started, but since I'm not going to say it, I'm not going to say it. What? Well, since then, I have received a PhD in philosophy from the top oh. university in the world. <laughs> but how's, how's that for airhead? <laughs> you like dumb apples. But it, that doesn't prevent me from being an airhead, actually, at all. So. <laughs> in my daily life, I mean, I've Or specifically with the content that I bring to this podcast. And, you know, my hope is we do talk about like some stuff and I'm going to talk about some stuff right now that may seem really airheady. But I do try, I do hope that what what we speak to is relevant to what it means to flourish. Yes, always. Which brings me to a moment I had this morning. Let me get my prop back. Oh, no, well, it can't see me anyway. Okay, so I want to... I can see the hat. The hat's white. Okay. Can you see what it says on the hat? No. Oh, it says Wegmans. Okay. Tell me. Okay. I have have a Wegmans hat. I have a cream Wegmans hat with gold stitching. Okay. Wegmans, for those of y'all who don't know, have I done the Wegmans spiel on this podcast? I think you have. But it's surprising Um, to me that most people don't know what Wegmans are. But then I know a lot of people, I don't think they're on the West Coast. Yeah, no, they're not. So like all places in the world have like, not all places in the world, a lot of places in this country have like the big place they go to get a bunch of groceries. And one of them is Wegmans. And Wegmans was founded in New York, but it's spread kind of like around. And I love Wegmans. Wegmans (laughs) I love Wegmans so much. You know, like so many of these places are like the lighting is fluorescent. The walls are white. The floors are this weird concrete. It's dirty. Wegmans is clean. It's warm. It's got a clock, a cuckoo clock that goes on the hour. It's got a little train. They, everybody I talked to about working there, not everybody, but I've spoken with a number of people who talk about like how well supported they are as employees. Like I just adore Wegmans. I think it's the change that like it's being the change that the world needs to be. <laughs> so far as these big stores go, like I just, I adore Wegmans. So our local Wegmans has a, has a coffee area in front. I really like to go get um, my daily drip there, so to speak. And I'm always very chatty. And today there was somebody there who I hadn't met before. And we had a super fun report and she was wearing this hat. It was a Wegmans hat. And Wegmans employees can wear hats. Normally they're black, but hers was like this beautiful cream color and great on her. And I was like, oh, that's so cool. Anyway, so then I like had some conversations. I like went over to customer service. I talked to some people about like how I would like to purchase this hat. I'm like so obsessed with Wegmans. Anyway, I now have a Wegmans hat. I think I'm probably going to make it like put it on my like my hinge and my bumble. Be like, just so you know, like this is me. This is core to who I am, like a photo. I I love it. I'll probably put it on the X. Um, (laughs) But this speaks to, and I also want to mention, I'm wearing this like, I call it my Ewok hoodie. And like this hood is just, uh-huh. oh, um, mm. and we, last time we were on the podcast, we were talking about like how important it is to just like be comfortable. And I don't know, I'm 35 now and I'm in that zone. I have a co-working space and I have the freedom and the privilege to like wear whatever I want. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to wear sweatpants. But I like you are, I mean, are you I, really 35 already? I like, <laughs> I like, I mean, I think it's important to like, to, to, present ourselves you know well and clean and like all that kind of stuff but I'm going to be comfy yeah I'm 35 no well <laughs> why did I not feel okay it's interesting it's this is something I actually think about a lot and I it might just be me 
but how big age differences are in high school and or your early 20s. And then you get to your 30s and you're like, oh, you're 43. That's not a big deal. Like we're like seven years apart, whatever. That's like nothing. I know. But like seven years in high school is the difference between like a sixth grader and like you're about to graduate from high school, you know, like. No, once once no. you once you enter the arena of adult and the older I get, the more I realize it doesn't doesn't matter. My roommate is 24 and we have a you know what I mean? We have a great rapport. And mm-hmm. actually, one of my neighbors is 81 and I consider her a dear friend. And yeah. it's not like. Like, it's just friendship. Yes, like, you know, it's just friendship. It doesn't matter how long you've been on this earth like matters, but it doesn't matter. We're all human. We're all in the way. Totally. I think when we started this podcast, it just, I, for some reason, I had it in my head that you were like more younger than that <laughs> than me. Well, it's it's funny because not because of the way you act or anything like that. I think it was just my insecurity. Oh, well, <laughs> it's it's funny because other other people are are like barometers, and and we keep pace. Yeah, it's surprising to me that I'm 35 because I certainly don't feel it. You know, mm-hmm. but my mother says the same thing about her age, right? And so, yeah, it just it, it's so much a, a matter of I do feel healthier emotionally and physically than I've been ever. You know, and despite the fact that I've been going through this thing with my headaches, like I'm I'm in a period of deep learning. And when I'm good, when I feel good, I feel great. And so yeah. I'm just, I'm learning that about myself. But yeah, it's so much about you know all all that all that kind of stuff. But yeah, like I mean, like when I look at my siblings, for example, and they. They have my one, my younger ones, like get yeah. my younger ones get older. I'm like, whoa. You're yes, I know. Isn't that crazy? And that's probably what I'm doing for you right now. And are you, I know you're I actually 37. Yeah. Yeah. I'm about to be 38. And I had, a, so I had a discussion with a friend at church actually on Sunday. And I was like, yeah, my husband's turning 40. And she's like, oh yeah, well, my husband is, is he's 35. And I was like, he's 35. She's like, yeah, I'm like, how old are you? She's like, I'm the same. I'm like, I hate it when my friends are younger than me. She's like, no, no, no. We always hang out with older people. We're just old souls. I'm like, oh, now I'm an old soul. <laughs> like, uh-huh. but you don't notice that difference. Like I didn't even, it didn't even clock for me because our kids are the same age and we're doing the same things and we have the same memories, but it's like, oh, dang it. You're five years younger. <laughs> they're, they're five. Cause my husband and her husband get along really well. And they, you know, they text each other and chat, but it's, it is interesting how it does not matter. It really doesn't matter. And it really just matters about your connection. But yeah. Anyway, something about hitting that 40 mark. I do have friends that have already hit the 40 mark first. And I'm like, I appreciate them being in my life. One of them I'm, is. I'm, I do. I do feel I'm really, like, you hit it first. <laughs> I, I actually, I do feel some like relief when I think about you. <laughs> For me, I'm like, oh, well, I'm glad, glad I could be that person. And for everybody listening who's older than us, like, you know, thanks. And it's, thank you. Yes. Pave the way. Show us that it what you do, what you learn, and then we feel a little bit better about ourselves. And time, you know, time happens. It's, I don't know. Time happens. Oh, okay. That's for sure. <laughs> do you want to jump into questions? I do. If we can get to all four. Question number one is from Elizabeth. She says, how long do you have to follow a new workout routine to see if it's working? I started this diastasis recti recovery training program about a month ago, and I'm only seeing minimal change. Uh, my question is, what is your standard for working? Right. So what what is your goal? And I would envision the goal not as like, am I there, but am I moving towards it? Right. So Hmm. I would judge any program based on 
how good do I feel immediately after? Are my days better? That's a great heuristic. Are my days better? If so, like if this is adding to my life, cool. It's already working in some sense. Is it getting me towards some kind of a goal that I have? Well, if you if you if you feel like you're moving there, you know, you said you've seen some minimal change. Okay, cool. Whatever that change is in terms of say musculature, in terms of body fat percentage, in terms of energy. Is there a way that you can identify what about it that is bringing about that change and then lean into that a little bit more, maybe, right? So say you're doing a workout and you're like, wow, I, I really love the way that I'm developing definition in my biceps, but like, I don't, I don't know, like I'm not, I'm not feeling it everywhere in my body, right? Well, okay, cool. Then like find a way to bridge that gap, right? Identify what a gap might be and then think about what you're doing that works. And if you think doing more of it could help and be very careful about that because doing more of something doesn't necessarily mean it's going to help, then try doing more or you might want to try doing less. And so, yeah, but I would say first things first, does it make your days better? Does it add to your energy and willpower, not detract from it? First things first. Second thing, look at a specific goal that you have and then be like, am I on the way? And if you're on the way, cool. If you're not on the way within a month, maybe try switching it up and you could try something totally different or you could try tweaking what you're doing. Um, you know, if you're, here's a, I don't know. So Noelle and I both like to work out with YouTube <laughs> or like a video instructor yes. person. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I love it so much. I can't even like, I do 20 minutes once or twice a day and it flies by. And I just, when I'm doing it, sometimes I'm like, wow, if I didn't have this like person in this video doing this with me, there's no way that it would feel this easy. Yeah. And they you tell know, entertaining stories. It just your your mind gets off of it. You, you're not thinking you don't have to put in the mental work. Exactly. And, yeah. you know, when you're when you're watching somebody doing movements and you have to match those movements, it really channels your focus. And when you can focus on the present moment and not when you're not thinking about how long something is, that's when it zooms by. So anyway, I love doing that. But this the people who I follow, they're like, grab your three or five set dumbbells. I actually do the workouts with a set of <laughs> a set of 20s and a set of like 32s. And I like rotate and I pick up the ones that I want to use when I want to use them. But if I were doing the rotates with three to five pound dumbbells, I I I would be having no gains, right? Like, I might it might feel good, it might be fun, but like if my goal is to increase my strength or to increase my musculature, I have to be lifting heavy things. And so, you know, you could try that kind of thing, right? Like try adding a little bit of difficulty in the way that you want difficulty to be added and and see if, if that helps, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I like it. I think, I think this all depends on your starting point. So if you are, it's, it's well known in the literature that if you are untrained, so let's just talk about workouts. I don't want to talk about PT for a second, but if we're just talking about workouts, if you're untrained, you're going to see pretty significant gains in four to six weeks. You'll see some shifts, some differences. And this happens too with initial changes to diet, nutrition. If you're hoping to, so one of the things that a rule of thumb that I always tried to use to help keep me grounded and, and realistic is how long did it take to get you here? So from the perspective of diastasis recti, you were pregnant. You were pregnant for nine months. You've probably spent a good 
few months just recovering and healing and breastfeeding or, you know, whatever, take not sleeping, like being put under stress. So that's like a year and a couple months, you know, of of. And if this is like your second or third, you know, there's been a lot more of that, but this is took quite a bit of time for that to happen. So to think that it's all going to be fixed and you're going to see significant improvements in just four weeks is a little bit unrealistic to me because when you think about when you start something, you take about a week or two just to figure out what the heck you're doing. You try to figure out, am I doing this properly? Am I activating properly? Am I lifting this properly? Am I doing this movement right? Like it takes a little bit just to get into the swing of things. And then you have maybe a couple weeks where you're finally like, okay, I get it. I'm putting behind it repetition. I'm putting behind it proper form. I'm putting behind it good, act proper activation. And I'm giving it some time. And so I will jump back to PT and diastasis recta and all that kind of stuff. One, it took you a long time to get there. (laughs) Two, you probably have had this for a little bit, even not pregnant. And then three, you still have to put time and repetition. Your body, it just is going to take time. Muscles don't all of a sudden snap back and then start working properly again. And unfortunately, when it comes to poor function or, you know, we're not activating properly or we're struggling with like a chronic ache or a pain because of maybe our body has adapted to doing something a very specific way. Maybe, you know, when we walk, our leg does this thing and it turns in this way. And so that causes an imbalance over here. That's going to be something that we actually have to work on throughout the course of our life. It's not something that you can just go to PT and do it and fix it, and then it's going to be fine. Now, I will put an asterisk by that and come back to it. But from the perspective of how long is it going to take for me to get out of this, especially if it's an injury or an issue that you know we've developed over the course of a period of time, I would say minimum about four to six months. Now, And this is just from me and my own personal experience with PT. When I struggle significantly with back pain or shoulder pain or whatever, it typically takes me about six months until I start to feel, oh, wow, I didn't notice today that I had any nagging shoulder pain. I didn't notice today that I had any significant back pain. I could live my life as normal and not have to say, oh, what am I going to sit down or I've got to do this or I've got to do that to manage the pain. So from a PT perspective, that's what I'll say. My my star, my asterisk is the goal, obviously, of PT and trying to fix your body or fix imbalances or fix things that have happened during pregnancy, you know, try to activate core function again, pelvic floor function, all that kind of stuff is obviously to repair and get out of there and not have to deal with it anymore. But when it comes to workouts and PT and all that kind of stuff. You can just do the exercises and then literally never do anything again and expect it to work. What you can do is build on it. So for example, 
I have a lot of core activation stuff that I actually still do every single morning for about 30 minutes before I work out. That's just something I've chosen to do. I'm going to continue to do the PT exercises that got me out of pain because they keep me out of pain and they worked. And I'm just going to keep doing them because something is not right. My body is not even just after working at having babies like just my core doesn't activate the same way. And so I'm quick to get into imbalances and into back pain. But one of the things that my PT said, which I think was really you know, insightful for me was, look, you're doing these exercises now. What you then will do in the future, you may not have to do all of these. Maybe you can pick one or two as a way to activate and warm up, you know, for your workouts. And then you'll be doing the proper activation and the loading and the strength training in your workout. So if you used to do clamshells and all that kind of stuff. Now you'll be getting that same, you'll be building, it'll be like stage four. So stage one was I'm doing clamshells, no band. Stage two is like, I'm doing the clamshells banded. Stage three is I'm starting to do like a specific exercise that is now weighted. So maybe, maybe I'm just doing, you know, some sort of like banded walks or I'm holding on to dumbbells and doing something, you know, and then stage four is doing my normal workouts and using my glutes and my hips properly and really activating them and keeping a neutral spine and all that kind of stuff when I'm doing my workout, whether it's got deadlifts or, you know, I'm doing glute, whatever bridges or thrusts or whatever I'm doing, you know, squats. And so, at so, you still have to continue what you're doing throughout your life in order for that stuff to still be getting you out of that dysfunction or pain or whatever. I will now jump back to workouts. I agree that if you're untrained, you probably are going to see some sort of benefit or change or you're going to feel better after four to six weeks. It's really interesting, actually. You can... If you're like a seasoned worker router, if you're if you're a seasoned fitness professional or you you know you lift or whatever, what got you there? You can actually decrease that by like 60, maybe like 50-ish percent and still maintain that strength. So there's a big difference between building and then maintaining. So a lot of people think, oh, I've got to keep working out three days a week to maintain this. You can actually kind of bump it down to like two days a week or sometimes even one day a week. If you're going through a really stressful season of life and you just want to maintain it. So, of course, it's different for everybody. But a new workout routine, if you're untrained, I would say four to six weeks, you're going to start to see some changes, but you're still going to need to press through. And like, I would give it a solid four to six months before you really make a decision on this is doing nothing for me or this isn't working for me unless you just hate it and then find something else. But if you, you're you a seasoned athlete and you're trying something new, you're definitely going to need to give it about four to six months, I would say, because you're trained, you're, you're seasoned, your body kind of knows what it's doing. And now you're going to want to maybe, maybe I'll, I'll adjust. I'll say three. I'll change my mind. I'll say three to four months. So I would give it at least a solid 12 weeks if you're a seasoned athlete and you exercise and you're trying a new routine. I would give it at least commit to 12 weeks before you really start to say, did this work? Do I have an increase in muscle mass? What is how is my body responding to this training? I hope I, that wasn't too confusing. Just formulating no, my opinion really, as I was talking. It's, it's quite helpful, you know, and and um and very and very specific to, you know, I I wasn't I didn't feel myself in a position of authority to weigh in on, on the specific exercises, you know, especially post-pregnancy and stuff. So 
Thank you. Yeah. If you are still sleeping on cotton, I have great news for you and your hair. Up until a few years ago, I was sleeping on cotton and my skin and my hair suffered as a result. And y'all know how I feel about my hair. If you've ever woken up with frizzy hair or a bunch of sheet marks on your face, that's because of cotton. Cotton actually absorbs moisture and your skin care and can dry out your skin and your hair. Once I made the switch to 100% mulberry silk pillowcases from Blissey, I noticed a shift in how my hair felt in the morning. Seems simple, but it's true. Silk actually reduces frizz, tangles, and prevents breakage because it keeps the moisture in your hair. And best of all, it's temperature regulating and always cool. If you hate being hot at night, you will love Blissey silk pillowcases. That is me. And if you have to pull your hair back, stop using elastic hair ties. Blissey makes these amazing small silk hair ties. It's what I use now every night and even to work out. In fact, I have them stashed all around the house. Blissey's 100% mulberry silk pillowcases are naturally hypoallergenic cooling. And unlike other silk pillowcases, Blissey's are machine washable and durable. Everybody I know loves them. They have a ton of different prints and colors, and they make great gifts because there's an option for literally anyone. Men love them, too. They have over 1 million raving fans, and you could be next. Try now risk-free for 60 nights at blissy.com forward slash well-fed. That's blissy, B-L-I-S-S-Y dot com forward slash well-fed. And use code well-fed to get an additional 30% off your skin and hair. Well, thank you. Question number two is from a John 33. She said, what are the daily vitamins and supplements you recommend for kids? Now, this is hard for me. I'll tell you what I do for my kids because everybody's different. I try to make sure that my kids get a food-based form of probiotics every day, whether it's a yogurt or a kombucha. They typically drink a little bit of kombucha every night. I started them really young on kombucha so that they would be happy with it. I typically use the kombucha as a vehicle for powders and liquid supplements. So I always put in a little bit of smidge probiotic, a little dusting of that powder. I usually put in a little bit of beta-glucan because that's a prebiotic and it helps build immunity. And right now, I may not do it in the summer, but certainly doing it right now because everybody's sick and we've been really struggling with some sickness. I always do magnesium. And it doesn't taste the best. And that's what we're trying to work on right now. Yes, I am still working on a kid's magnesium supplement, but it just tastes bad. And I can't figure out a way to get it to taste better. But I just do like a straight magnesium lysinate glycinate powder. It does taste like feet. And even in kombucha, it doesn't taste that great. But my kids luckily are used to it at this point and they are used to drinking concoctions. So magnesium for sure. Probiotics, yes. And then my son is on a vitamin D supplement right now. I sometimes give my daughter a little bit of it, especially during the winter. So yes, I have looked at the literature and and heard the back and forth. Should you do vitamin D? Should you not? I'm at a point right now where we didn't do vitamin D for a while and it didn't serve us. And uh, we're, I'm working with some holistic doctors right now to help support my son's immune system because he's been struggling with quite a bit. And so we're upping his vitamin D. And ever since we did, he has been great. His his whole demeanor has changed. And he's also hasn't been sick since. Praise the lamb. And I think that's it for daily supplementation. Again, this is a unique thing. It's not. I do feel comfortable saying most kids could probably benefit from a magnesium, uh, just like I think most adults can, especially if they're hyperactive, struggle with focus, struggle with sleep at night. And so that's why I'm trying to work on that. But I do think magnesium and probiotics are helpful in this day and age. We don't live in an ideal scenario and our kids, you know, they're 
unfortunately hit with a lot. And so I think that that's good to supplement with that. And then the beta glucan is just something I'm doing to support immune system response. And it's just a prebiotic to feed the probiotic and then the vitamin D. We do do electrolytes. So I do do element. Um, You can, I split the pack into two and they get a half when they have sports and gymnastics and stuff like that. And I do put a little bit of vitamin C in it, like a natural pure synergy, just natural form of vitamin C, like a berry extract. And I think that that does help, especially when they're running. Kids are so active. And gosh, if they're not replenishing electrolytes, you I think a lot of what we see in kids when they're just exhausted or tired or fatigued or whatever, maybe throwing a fit or tantrum is probably because they're a little bit dehydrated. You know, kids are running around all the time. If you look at little boys, they're sweating all the time at school. And so I and, you know, when they're playing sports, doing gymnastics, whatever. And so I do think kids need electrolytes for sure. I can see just the difference it's made for me. And I think that's it. Do you have any other thoughts about this? Yeah, I think that's I think that's wise. And then your kids can grow up and, you know, learn how their bodies feel. Also, use something is, you know, get feedback from them about how it's working you know, and dosages and, and you can, you can play with that. Um, yeah. Yeah. How they feel. Yeah. Okay. Question number three is from Noelle spelled the same way. Noelle.bass. She says, where to begin with strength training and lifting? I want to start, but I haven't worked out in forever. Where would you start? That's a great question. What, what I would do is I would, if strength training or lifting is what you like, you know, that's the goal. I would enroll at a gym where they have weights or, I mean, I like to work out at home, but you could do it at a gym where they have weights or I would purchase a small set of, of different different weights. <laughs> so like a little, they could get like a little triangle stand at Target or whatever. You can find them used on Facebook Marketplace or eBay or what have you. And uh, you can they'll have like one, three, five, eight pounds or something. And then I would start with basic movements. I think if you haven't worked out in a long time and you would like to strength train, and especially if you have certain health conditions or different injuries that things that you want to look out for, bringing a coach on board, uh, you can get a virtual coach. Of course, an in-person coach is really great. You know, get somebody on board to help you figure out. Uh, how you can pursue your goals. If you don't want to do that, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to recommend a influencer that you trust or a, somebody on YouTube or, or that kind of thing. And be very uh, attentive to the form that they display because you want to make sure that you have proper form so you don't injure yourself. And I would want to be working all muscle groups that I could because that way I'm not going to create any kind of an imbalance. And of course, the core is really important. Uh, and Noel could tell you all about that, but in prioritizing that. And then I would move into movements, make, making sure that my form is good, that I'm, you know, uh, and start progressively increasing my, the weight that I'm carrying. And I would, I personally, prioritize higher weights at fewer reps uh, to burn muscle. And I really like movements where I go really slow and I focus on my form and it's difficult to move slow 
but it's really satisfying because I'm breathing hard and moving slow. It's like I'm exerting myself, but I don't have to be like sprinting somewhere. I really like that a lot. Like I, I would way rather lift something heavy a few times than lift something light 50 times. That just, you know, so yeah. And and it and it depends on what your goals are. But that's, I mean, very generally speaking, that's how I would do it. And I would also, I don't know, I'd probably start at like, well, knowing me, I'd probably start doing it twice a day, but that's not what I would recommend. <laughs> to me or anybody else do that twice a week I think is a good starting point yes yeah yeah pro tip (laughs) when when you're fortunately I I get to do these things adjacent to alongside Noel when you're coming up with a plan of action for yourself have somebody you really trust who knows about that kind of stuff in your real life talking with you about it or in your head because in my head sometimes I'm like when I'm like, when I'm trying to decide if I should work out, there's a part of me that's like, always yes. And then there's a part of me in my head that's Noel. And she like just stands <laughs> in the corner and shakes her head. No, <laughs> it's me. <laughs> and she's got that look on her face. She's I like, got the look. She's like, stars Steph. crossed. <laughs> no, don't do it. <laughs> balance, balance. Yeah. I, so the only thing that I can think of, and this is this is just what works for me, but ho- I think it would work for most people, is I, again, have to have somebody in front of me showing me, telling me what to do. And even though I'm a personal trainer and I have made a whole Strong From Home program, which you can try out, strongfromhome.com, it's just the problem with Strong From Home is that it was created before the advent of 2020 and home workouts and all these like, yeah, we had YouTubers, but we didn't have apps and Peloton and all this stuff where you could so easily have video workouts displayed on demand, essentially. So Strong From Home is all like, there's a workout booklet and it's all written out for you. And I have a video library of how to perform each thing. And so that might be that I know that works for a lot of people. They have they picked out a few workouts. It's written right there. And then you just do it. But I personally really like to outsource my training to somebody else, which you could, of course, hire an online personal trainer just to give you some quick workouts and feedback up front to get you in the swing of it. For me, after I was trained, I had not trained in about two years from Maverick and chronic pain and all that kind of stuff. I decided to just open up. And again, I, I we do have a Peloton bike now, which I love. But initially, we just had the Peloton app, which I think is like eight bucks a month or something. But there are a lot of apps out there. There's also YouTube videos. But I do like the way that Peloton organizes their workouts. And I picked a strength workout that was 15 minutes that was identified as a beginner workout. And I just did that. And sometimes I used the lighter dumbbells but I mostly just stuck with like the the 10s. And I just said to myself, I'm just going to do the movements. If at some point I need to stop, that's fine. Or if I need to adjust, that's fine too. Most of the time in workouts that I'm following, I'm making slight adjustments to the movement or to the weight or to the number of reps. So give yourself, again, the freedom to do that. I'm going to go lighter and I'm going to do maybe a few more reps and then I'm going to like hit the rewind button and still follow along with the workout. You can you can give that to yourself. 
But that's essentially what I did. I started with a 15 minute workout. I still remember it was actually right here in front of this TV because we didn't have one out in the garage. We didn't we hadn't invested in, in the garage yet. And I did it. And I remember being like, wow, that was that was a lot. It was pretty hard. And it it was just the most it was a very basic workout. And I like that when you work with apps and you find a beginner-friendly strength workout, workout, they're typically doing beginner movements. So working out is a lot when you are new and you don't, you're not really sure how to do the movements. For example, a lot of people will be like, let's do a squat, weighted squat, but your dumbbells right here and squat down. I don't really think most beginners should be doing that. I think most beginners should just be doing a basic squat or working on depth of squat. So if you can't squat down to 90 and stand back up, you shouldn't be like putting weight on your back or your chest or holding your dumbbells up. You just shouldn't. That's going to get you injured. So I like that some of these beginner workouts are under, understand that and they know, OK, let's do some basics. Let's everybody for the most part can do lunges. Everybody. And then you can just you can say, OK, I'm going to hold on to the dumbbells for the first round or and see how I do. And if I don't, then I'm going to drop them and just do the lunges with no weight after that some basic movements like you know even just like holding a plank you can put your knees down doing a push-up you can put your knees down again you there's always modifications that you can do to these very basic push and pull movements so a push movement would be a push-up a pull movement would be a row so you're holding a dumbbell and you're pulling it backwards usually you're like on a bench you got your hand and your knee on a bench and you're rowing it back so you want to do pushes and pulls upper body and you want to do pushes and pulls lower body. A push would be I'm pushing up like with a squat and a pull would be I'm pulling the weight off of the ground with a deadlift. So got just a few rotations of pushes and pull. Do a push exercise and a pull exercise and rotate back and forth and do like eight to 10 reps and do that three times. Those are what beginner workouts are going to be. And a 10 to 15 work, minute workout is going to be. You can look at something up. And do it yourself. You can pull something up on YouTube, beginner strength training workouts. You can just sign up for Peloton and say, okay, strength training workouts, here they are. Here's the beginners. Try different, you know, a few different instructors and find the one that that you like. And not every workout's gonna be right for you. And and I always recognize that. So like again, you can change if you're like, nope, my shoulder's bothering me today or my wrist is bothering me today. So I'm not gonna do the push-up. So then just do like overhead press instead. So just move it to a different push exercise. So Instead of the push-up, which I'm pre I'm pushing it away from me, push it above your head. So get comfortable making those adjustments when you need to, saying, yeah, you told me to do that for a minute, but I'm actually going to stop at 40 seconds because like I'm getting a little bit of a pain or something, or I'm not feeling like I can, that's going to be right for me. So be willing to make the adjustments. But I love the idea of really getting somebody in front of you and telling you what to do. So anything else from you? I think, are you on mute? Sorry, I was shaking oh. my head, oh. but then I realized you couldn't see me. Can't see you. I am so excited to announce that subscriptions are available on my favorite digestive enzyme ever. It has completely changed my digestion. I take it every single day. And now through February 1st, 2024, you can actually subscribe for th two bottles every three months at 20% off. And if you're listening to this after February 1st, you can still sub sign up for a subscription. It'll be 15% off. Let me tell you why this has changed my life. 
I found something called Digestive Complex. It has a blend of 10 different enzymes, including lactase to help with dairy and protease for protein digestion, and a blend of herbs like licorice and marshmallow root, which are calming for the stomach. It also has hydrochloric acid, which is often suppressed when we're stressed. I randomly just get digestive issues occasionally, especially if I'm traveling or eating out. And I also notice it when I'm upping my protein intake or I tend to have a higher protein day. And so taking these digestive enzymes specifically at dinner when I tend to eat a lot of protein has made such a huge difference. I am not exaggerating when I tell you it's completely changed my digestion. Digestive Complex is a synergistic formula that provides support for healthy digestion and relief from occasional discomforts such as gas, bloating, and indigestion. I think just about everyone should have a bottle on hand to proactively help your body digest food especially if you're dealing with a chronic condition or you're under stress or going through a season of stress. I also find that it's really important a lot of people are deficient in nutrients. And when you bring in a digestive enzyme, you're allowing your body to digest nutrients better. So you're absorbing your nutrients better and you're at a lower risk of experiencing a deficiency. For a limited time, you can get 10% off Digestive Complex. Go to mdlogichealth.com forward slash digestive. Again, that's mdlogichealth.com forward slash digestive. Use code WELLFED for 10% off or sign up for a subscription like me. You can get two bottles every three months for 20% off for the life of the subscription as long as you have it. As long as you sign up before February 1st, if you're listening to this after February 1st, no problem. Sign up for a subscription and you'll get 15% off. Okay, last last question, which we actually have time to get to. Tips for starting over in a career and setting boundaries to avoid burnout. Steph has the Rocky going on. The arms, man, boundaries are my favorite. It's funny when a lot of trends sweep through social media and like the cultural discourse, the zeitgeist, if you will, I, um, I often get a little bit like snooty about it. Cause I'm like, it's just a trend. Um, boundaries are trending and I'm so glad it's so important. (laughs) It's so, it's so important. You know, the shape of our world changed so radically where, you know, people used to just like never be available to each other. You just weren't, you just weren't. I mean, you were available to like people in your close proximity, you know, but that was it. You know, you lived on a farm and people were far away and like, that was it. And I'm oversimplifying, but you know, nowadays you're just, you're so accessible to anybody. And there's this idea that like to be a good person means to like always constantly be accessible and to say yes and to opt into all of the ways that you can be accessed. And then it exhausts you and, you know, and then you're modeling that behavior to other people. So even if you think like, oh, I do still really want to show up. I do still really want to show up. My question for you about boundaries is like, do you want the vulnerable people in your life to watch what you're doing and do it? Because if you don't, then that's, that's a sign that we need to be the change. Like we really do. And that actually means like boundaries are so important and they, they're how you care for one another and for everybody. And people love. People love when you set boundaries. You know, it's funny. We have this like discourse often in in work, like, oh, you know, I need to, I need to always be online for my coworkers, for my boss and stuff. But man, when I talk to other people who set boundaries and they don't answer emails after certain times or on the weekends, I love that because it frees me to do the same. So here's my, 
you know, here's my pitch for boundaries. Like be that person who's sticking to that, who's living into that change because other people in your life like are are in the tide and, and being pulled along by this pressure to be accessible. And they'll be really grateful if you're sort of pushing against the tide and they can hook themselves to that push that you're that that you're doing. So just, you know, some ideas to encourage the the setting of boundaries. I think it's good. I think it's important. I think it's so healthy for everybody. So making a career change. Um, first of all, you have everything you need in you. You are equipped. You are empowered. Uh, and the most important thing you can bring to any new endeavor is comfort with what you're bringing, but also knowledge that you have room to grow, right? So like, you're not beating yourself up. You're not feeling bad. You're not like, oh, I have imposter syndrome. I'm not supposed to be in this field. I'm so behind. I'm joining late and I'm making a change. This is a different path than other people. Like, no, you know, you've got experience from life and you're bringing it with you and it's, it's everything you need. And you're so well, you know, you've made this decision for a reason. Remember that. And then also remember like, heck yeah, I got room for growth. And that's exciting. That's exciting. You think of it like that. Like I haven't, I've learned a lot, but I have so much more to learn. And how cool is that? And I'm going to take what I've learned. And my previous experience, if it's different from this, is going to give me a whole new perspective. You know, it's funny when I was, a, when I was applying to PhD programs, I had difficulty at the beginning because I had just published Sexy by Nature. And many professional academics were like, <laughs> they were like, like this suggests to us that you're not like, you may not be a serious academic. And I can understand certain things about the way their programs are structured, whatever. But I was so fortunate to reach out to somebody who saw that my experience working in health would give me a, a lens that was important and new. And I would understand how all the different ways of seeking flourishing are intertwined and how physical our thoughts are and all this kind of stuff. And this person was like, yeah, come on board. You got this new perspective, right? And so if you're making a pivot, you're bringing something that that like other whatever other people in that industry don't have. And that's super cool, you know, but you can't rest on it, right? You got, you got, you got room to figure out how to bring that, how to bring that new thing into your new thing or that old thing into your new thing. So that's all that. And then setting boundaries start just, it's an excellent opportunity to implement new habits. You know, in a lot of my old haunts or old relationships, like people sort of anticipate that I'm going to communicate in a certain way because that's how I've done it before. And that's stressful for me because then I have to explain some kind of a change. When you're in a new environment, just like go ahead and experiment with something new. Like, oh yeah, I'm going to, I am not going to open my email after this time. And I'm just going to do that. And if people have a problem with it, they can speak it to you. And <laughs> here's an excellent tip. Do not ruminate about how somebody is receiving something that you've done that is healthy for you, yeah. right? Like, because you, A, you have no idea. It be, it's not in your control. It's, it's, that's not your problem. An excellent exercise that I encountered in, in like a tiny little self-help book over the holidays was think about things in terms of like, is that my problem? Because like, I only have a certain amount of energy to direct towards the world. And like, is my problem? Should that be my problem? That's not your problem. You know, and if you just have to trust that if people need something else for their health, 
they'll speak it to you. And this goes to personal relationships as well. You know, I, I have often felt so responsible for people's worry and especially recently going through some health stuff like, oh, are people going to worry about me? And like all this kind of stuff. That's not my responsibility. And if they are interested in some information from me or some follow-up from me or some sort of any kind of deliberate from me, they can ask for it. And if they have some kind of concern about how I'm doing something or they need something else, they can let me know. You know, and you you just, I really highly really recommend trusting that. You know, I think mm-hmm. so much of the difficulty we have with boundaries is trying to anticipate what other people need or what they might think we're doing wrong. And it's it's something in there is also like deeply people-pleasing. But people-pleasing, it is driven by a desire to help people, but it's also driven a little bit by a desire to not be a disappointment to them. Yeah. But you can't control that, you know, and so just let it go and trust and then see what happens. You know, you don't need you don't need to forestall disappointment. Throw out your best, throw out what's healthy for you and then see if people don't like it, they can let you know. And chances are actually pretty good that if you set a boundary, they're actually really going to like it. Circling back to my initial point. So those are some thoughts. I think that's a really good, interesting perspective. And it's that's accurate is that the a lot of times we become burnt out because we're trying to manage or meet other people's expectations, whether it's a specific person, our boss, you know, the world, society, <laughs> our community, our followers, our fans. <laughs> you're trying to meet an expectation. You're trying to make sure that you're liked or successful or well-received or whatever. And so setting that boundary is saying, I'm actually not going to do this. I'm not going to respond in this way. And you may receive that differently and that's okay. So it's almost like, and this is probably why boundaries are trending, but a lot of us who have been on the internet for a very long time, you know, this is just something that comes with experience and age, which is another wonderful thing about aging. But you learn that your job is not to make everybody happy because you can't. And at some point you're sacrificing something. To, in order to meet other people's expectations or to perform in a specific way or to be a, a certain level of success, you are you're going to be sacrificing either either you sacrifice yourself or you sacrifice other people's responses and their thoughts and feelings and the way that they you think they might perceive you. And so you have to decide what is what are your values, what's valuable to you, obviously, and what you're willing to sacrifice. What does success look like to you? Does it look like what you see everybody else doing on the internet or does it have a different definition? And I think we're so quick to look at what everybody else is doing and say, I want to do that to be successful. And we forget that success is very, it's bio-individual. It's very individual to what's important to you. And so success may, you know, and there's this, I will say it. There's this trend going around, not trend, but it it's just odd to me that there's a lot of chatter now and people like bragging about how much money they make mm. online, how successful they are. I made $6 million this year, or I made $100,000 on my course, or I made a million dollars on my, you know, whatever, ebook. And it gets us really, and it's like, it's very odd behavior to me because it, I don't know. There's a lot I'll keep to myself, but, but 
it's it's really weird to me that people a would be bragging about making money, but then like bragging about how much money they make off of the people they're talking to. It just it's just really odd behavior, and it also to uh, it's it's of course to give them more credibility. So they've defined success by I make this much money. Well, how did you make it? Was it a little shady? Like. Was it, were you really providing value for people? So was it more important for you to provide value or was it more important for you to like make the money? And a lot of times on the internet, people are really, you know, of course, it wonderful things happen on the internet. People provide tons of value and people get a lot for it. And then you can make money and support your family off of it. But like, do you want to be a millionaire? Do you want to like work your butt off and like a million dollars in revenue? Or do you just want to like do something you love? And help people and provide value and like also feed your kids at the same time. Because we all work, right? Everybody works. Everybody does something in their life that they're passionate about. We all are putting time towards something. Let's just say people who are have a job. You know, we're all putting time and, and pushing something forward. So people on the Internet are typically trying to push their own stuff forward in order to feed their families. But we've gotten this like definition of success is by like how much you make. Well, does that matter really to you? I mean, obviously, we all want to be able to make enough money to support our families and 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 our lifestyle and put food on the table. Of course, not saying that, but it is a very odd shift that's happening where we have a lot of people bragging about how much money they can make and how much is possible, and so that becomes the definition of success. And I think that that's really it. It leads to unhappiness. It's it's not going to make you chasing after profit typically is just not going to be fulfilling, especially when I believe, you know, I think everybody listening has a value of managing their health and and from a holistic perspective. And we have to be able to recognize that that means not being completely wrapped up in how much money we're making or having a specific status or putting everything into our work and working 80 hours a week so that we can put out all the stuff and all the content and stay on top and stay relevant and all those things. So I think the number one thing that you do is you define what is success to you and don't get caught up in all of the other people's definition of success because they might be successful by whatever sense of the word, but they may actually be miserable. Like, they're, they may have failed marriages and not talk to their kids and never, you know, not making really good meals on the table and not really have any time for workouts. They may be exhausted and have hormone imbalances and thyroid issues and adrenal issues because of what they're doing. So you never know, you know, obviously we've talked about it a lot. I'm not going to go into it, but the Internet is a highlight reel and we're seeing everybody at their best and we're not seeing sometimes the result of quote unquote successful business. Um, so I say define what success is to you and then know what you're willing to sacrifice. Know what the trade-offs are. Know what you're willing, the time that you're willing to put in and the time that you're not willing to put in. You cannot do everything. There is way too much to do on the internet and way too much to do when it comes to business and marketing 
And everybody's like, oh, outsource, outsource. Do you know how much time it takes to freaking outsource? Do you know how much time it takes to hire and find the right people and manage people and then try to like, sure, having a team helps, but that's also additional work. So like sometimes it means not getting all the work done and that's okay. So you have to be willing to say, what work do I not? Am I okay not getting done? Where I, I, this is the amount of time that I have. This is the amount of time that I'm okay spending towards my business, towards marketing it, towards developing it and all that kind of stuff. And then this is so for, so I'm choosing, I am making a choice not to do X, Y, and Z thing. I'm making a choice not to try to be an Instagram influencer and post one reel a day, even though all of the gurus tell you to do it. I'm making a choice only to launch one product on my website because I, that's all that I have time for. That's what I can do well in the next six months. That's what I'm going to focus on. I'm not going to chase, chase after how many can I get out and how can I do a bigger launch and all that kind of stuff. So I think you just have to, you know, define that and and move forward. And of course, there are going to be times in which you work long hours and long nights. And sometimes you're going to put in a little bit more. But I think recognizing and making the choice over the course of the long haul, okay, this is what I'm choosing. And this is how I'm choosing to live. And this is how I'm choosing to do business, even though the gurus tell me to do more. That is that's what matters. And that's going to make the most difference. So anything else from you, Steph? I love that. I think that's great. Um, and and also, one other thing is really, yeah, really focus on what's bringing you joy in your work, yeah. the elements that are. And when you notice that there are elements with friction, if you can let them go, let them go. Uh, there's a, you know, there's a saying that eighty percent of your stress comes from twenty percent of your clients. <laughs> And I think oh, that's so true. Yeah. And I, and I think like that applies to work generally. 80% of your stress comes from 20% of what you're doing. Yeah. Me personally, as a writer, like I, I have to stop myself from, from like, I have to, I have to like stop myself from, from continuing to do work that's no longer bringing me benefit. Right. So just be really intentional about like where you're getting your returns and can you cut where you're not getting your returns in terms of finances, but also like what brings you joy. I love that. That's it from us. For more from Stephanie, she's at Stephanie Ruper on the X. For more from me, coconuts and kettlebells on Instagram. Thanks for being here, guys. We will talk to you next week.